Hi everyone. I'm Meena Murthy Kakkar, architect, design head and partner at Envisage Gurukra. The last few months have seen a collective jump in our consciousness towards achieving a better way of life. We have started delving into what's good and sustainable for us in every sphere of our life. As architects, it's even more important that we look for green and sustainable solutions in our profession as it is one of the prime contributors for creating concrete jungles all over the world. But our search for newer and better solutions usually makes us look westwards for answers. A lot of our trends emerge from them. So let's pause for a moment and think as to what was the situation before we discovered the West, or rather the West discovered us. What were the practices prevalent then locally in India? And is there maybe something that could be a good takeaway for the current times? Sharing a few notes with you all today on the five takeaways on traditional homes for the current times, courtesy The Architect's Diaries. The five most impressive features or takeaways of traditional Indian homes would be 1. They were extremely climatically sensitive. Our traditional houses responded to the climate in a beautiful manner. Let's take a couple of examples. The first is a Kumani house from Uttarakhand. Set in the cold temperatures of the Himalayan lower and mid ranges, these houses are thin and tall and designed to occupy a smaller footprint on the sloping sides. The lowest floor houses the cattle, the middle floor has the living quarters and the upper level has the kitchen. The floor is made of wood. The cattle emit heat which rises up to warm the floor of the living room and the kitchen on the top floor heats up its floor which prevents heat loss in the living quarter ceiling. The kitchen also gets ample ventilation and smoke doesn't enter the living area either. These homes are much warmer than their modern so-called Paka house counterpart of the same region. Another example would be the round bungas of Rajasthan and Gujarat which due to their shape are earthquake resistant. Hortka village in Bhuj came away with extremely minimal destruction after the massive earthquake of 2001 due to the presence of a large number of these traditional homes while others with modern homes were raised to the ground. Another wonderful example which shouldn't be missed out on would be the Naluketa homes of Kerala. It's a courtyard house where the areas are laid out strictly on the basis of directions to ensure maximum living comfort in the hot and humid weather of Kerala. The materials as in other vernacular typologies are locally sourced as well. The courtyard ensures an extremely well ventilated house and the complex gable roof gets in sunlight at the right places and in the right amount. The wooden trellis patterns allow air to come in through narrow slits thus increasing their speed and allowing for better cross ventilation. These houses stay cool even in peak summers. The materials were locally sourced and it was cost effective for people across the economic spectrum to be able to build a home for themselves. Sustainability was understood and implemented much more than it was spoken about. The house design responded very well to the owner's professional needs as well. The current times are seeing a lot of people shift to a work from home profile. 
and the sudden struggle to find a convenient and dedicated space for working is a reality most people are faced with. In a traditional system, work and family, workplace and home were never seen as two physically different spaces. The houses were designed specifically according to the user's profession. For instance, Chettinad mansions of Tamil Nadu were created for the business community of the Chettiars. These businesses were family-owned and thus needed huge houses with its own internal areas for each unit. These houses had an accounting room or the Kanakapille room right at the entrance and additional personal office rooms for the owners to sit and discuss work were also there. It had a semi-covered patio for meeting people as well. Other examples include a weaving room with the loom passing through the floor in a weaver's house and a small courtyard for dyeing the yarn, a potter's house with an anteroom for the wheel and a kill or a drying area away from the house. The beauty of this system was that the entire family chipped in, in fulfilling the professional requirements. This helped them bond and also helped the children grasp the nuances of the profession at an early age. Point 3. The house encouraged interaction between its members. The house encouraged interaction between its members, something that is so needed in these times of tech-induced isolation. The pandemic has forced us into our shells more than ever. Even inside a home, everyone is busy in their own world and individual gadgets. Traditional homes understood the human need to be connected to each other and had ample spaces to allow for interactions at different social levels. Let's look at the example of the Brahmin house and the Brahmin street called the Agraharam. The courtyard allowed the family members to have a word with each other or catch up on gossip while taking a quick breather from their daily routines or even while at it. The front had a place called the Tinnai where the community caught up with each other. Neighbours could sit on their own tinnais and talk to each other across the street as well. Our homes and cities both need to be designed to encourage this kind of engagement. Art was integrated with structure. Art and craft were key components of the housemaking process. People took pride in it and integrated it with the structural component itself to give us some masterpieces. It was never an add-on or an afterthought. Brackets, pillars, arches, flooring, doors and windows, intricate and beautiful beyond measure. Some of these stuff from our traditional homes continue to adorn our modern homes as priceless artifacts to this very day. Sanitation was a key component of the house. 2020 has literally gone viral. And it's staring at us from everywhere and everything we touch and breathe. The need for sanitation has gone up manifold. Let's look at what were the standards followed by our great-great-grandfathers in their homes till a few centuries ago. Shoes came off right at the entrance. Screening levels for visitors were strictly defined. There was a strict hierarchy of spaces inside as well. The private entrance of the house usually had a well next to it for cleaning one's hands and feet before entering the house. The well also had a pit next to it for cleaning vegetables before bringing them inside the house. The bathrooms were at a distance from the living area or the kitchen. Taking a bath as soon as you returned home was customary. 
seems like we are talking about the present, isn't it? The need to be with the times and trends has robbed our communities of the construction skills and environmentally sensitive design of our traditional dwellings. This need is also making us produce cookie cutter solutions in the name of design. These are insensitive not only to the people using them, but also to the surrounding natural environment, including the excessive use of cooling and heating of buildings. So when I got a chance to jot some observations down, thanks to the Architects Diaries, a wonderful initiative, I felt that it's important for us to look at vernacular architecture and see how we can salvage some of these principles and use them to achieve sustainability in the architectural world of today. Yes, there has been a turnaround in our collective awareness after years of using environmentally unfriendly materials and design to sustainable building materials and construction methods in the current times. And we certainly need to avoid reinventing the wheel in areas that have already been worked out. Thus, delving into our treasure trove of traditional architecture is an absolute must. Thank you.